it's all very well talking about being real, showing up real, having authentic conversations online and offline, but hey, could we do with a few tips on how? Yes, we could. Hello, I'm Trisha Lewis. This is the Make It Real podcast, and I will be talking to very real people who've had very real experience, mistakes and everything, and they will be giving you those tips. So, stay tuned. Oh, we've got a one, this will really do your head in this episode, listeners, but in a good way, because we're going to we're going to talk about something which is going to sound so counterintuitive as we begin to talk about it. You'll think, what? So hang on in there. And I have a fascinating guest and she's sitting in a lovely room in Orlando in Florida with the sort of sun coming through, I think. And, um, and her name is Andrea Waltz. And I am going to just simply introduce her as the co-founder of Courage Crafters, Inc. Um, And really what you'll know her for is the work she does that comes under the title Go For No, which is the title of her best-selling book. She's the co-author of with her husband, Richard. And it's very much the title of a whole method, oh, I can't say the word, methodology. Um, But look, 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 I'm not going to try and explain what Andrea does because she'd do that better herself. So welcome, welcome, Andrea. Lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Trisha. This is going to be so much fun. I think so, because it's going to touch on some really fascinating things like failure and fear of success and Ooh, 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 and sales, and ha ah. um, And we were introduced by a fascinating person in the first place, uh, Bob Berg, who, by the way, listeners, episode 14, uh, series one of this podcast. So I already know that you're, a, you're, you're going to be a fascinating person um, from that very introduction itself. So just, yeah, just explain a little bit more to our listeners who are now thinking, what? Go for no? What the heck's going on? So what is this business of yours? It's very strange to have a business built around the word no, but that is what we have done. (laughs) Seems very bizarre. Not something I thought I would do as a child, (laughs) for sure. Um, I was kind of more like you. I I wanted to be in the arts um, and and make movies and things like that. Um, But the whole premise of Go For No, what it it has to do with is it has to do with intentionally increasing your failure rate in order to become more successful. And it's fundamentally a mindset and a strategy that teaches people to hear no more often. And it is very counterintuitive, but it it works in every area of life, uh, uh, every business, every industry. Um, Even when you're trying to sell people ideas, you have to fail in order to get those ideas pushed forward. If you want to hear yes to something you need to hear no in order to get there that that is fundamentally the premise and sometimes it's easy and and you hear you don't hear a no you ask and you get a yes immediately sometimes you ask and you hear no repeatedly and you have to fight through and you have to fight um actors going on audition after audition after audition rejection after rejection right um you know this well and and it's not it's not a a situation where you can say well just go on one audition and you get it or not and then if, if you don't get it well you should just quit then well no obviously you fight and you push yeah. forward and eventually the more you do it, the more no's you get, 
the yeses are out there. Absolutely. And in fact, there was a post just a couple of days ago on LinkedIn that I um, commented on by a, a friend of mine. And she was talking about interviews uh, because she's a career coach. You know, so same thing. You know, of course, of course, you have to have no's. Um, but it but it's oh, it's just one of those words that we don't like. It always takes you back to like the first time you've asked somebody out for a date or something like that. And, oh. <laughs> or ask them for a dance, you know, oh, oh don't say no. Um, it, it cuts to the core, doesn't it? So let's, let's hear a bit about your story because you, you must have evolved into a place where you got this kind of light bulby thing that said, hang on, hang on, this could be what it's all about. So you started off, as you say, you were kind of more looking to go into the film world. I love the fact that... Um, was it at the age of eight you called George Lucas to see if you could work with him? Oh, please tell us how that happened. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that did not pan out. However, um, <laughs> uh, yes, I did. A family friend had his office number back in the, in the I guess it was probably 1980. 80. Um, and I was absolutely enamored with Star Wars. I watched it. We had one of these old VCRs and some bootleg copy of, uh, you know, on a VHS tape. And then I would play it every Saturday with between that and my cartoons and eating my cereal. And I would watch Star Wars and absolutely loved it and do it line by line. And I was convinced that I would be the perfect producing partner with George Lucas. Why not, right? He was getting older. He needed some fresh ideas. So, so this family friend said, I have his office number. Do you want it? And I said, absolutely. And um, so I think I waited a couple days and I called the number and I got his secretary on the phone and I asked if I could speak to George and he was there and she said, well, what is this regarding? And I said, well, I want to, you know, work with him. And she said, oh, I have something better for you. You, you should sign up for his fan club. And uh, she, she convinced me to do that. And so I, I basically got my no there and I didn't, I didn't press. Unfortunately, I didn't press. I wasn't persistent. I really took that no. And I didn't realize this at the time. My mom told me this later, but apparently after I hung up the phone, I threw a complete and total fit, um, screaming and crying. I was absolutely beside myself, despondent because my dreams had been shattered. So I did not handle that very well. Uh, and, and so I guess maybe it's a little ironic that it's, it's my life's mission now to help people deal with rejection, right? And I to, to, to oh have a better reaction. It's such a good story. I mean, just, it doesn't really quite match yours, but at a similar age, I remember going to a panto. I, I, was, I was younger, I think even. And I went backstage and I met Cliff Richard, who was very big back in the... Yeah. This was in the 60s. Um, and um, I asked him to, um, oh no, I didn't get the chance to, but I came out and had a hissy fit like you did after that and said to my parents, why didn't you let me ask him if he'd marry me? <laughs> so I, at that age, isn't that, ah, you see that already opens up a, a thing because at that age, we're not full of all those messages which say you're going to, don't be silly, that's a stupid question. You're going right. to do reject. We we just sort of think, well, why can't I? Absolutely, yeah. Children have the greatest sense of tenacity there is, and and I was right on that, and you probably were at that time as well, right on that borderline of understanding that people are judging us, and so we have these experiences, and then we get to the point where we do get in those. Um, 
10, 12 age range. Um, and I think it varies for people, but in general, you start looking around and you go, oh, okay, I don't want to get embarrassed. I don't want my friends to, you know, think I'm a fool. And, and we get this wild sense of awareness and wild sense of, of fear of judgment. And then everything starts to shut down, right? And so as adults, that's part of what we do when we talk to people in sales or again, any business, we're always saying, you know, um, you have to kind of reprogram yourself from those experiences and also the fact that all of this is biologically wired into us to not be rejected, to not get kicked out of the tribe. And so we have a, it's a kind of an uphill battle, but there are some ways around it, actually. I know. And we're going to explore those, which is great. I mean, you actually started off wanting, so when you did grow up a little bit more and uh, started your sort of continued further education, you, you were going to go into criminal justice. Yes, I very much wanted to go into criminal justice. Um, and that, I, I got my degree, but it, simultaneously I was working um, to earn money and, and the criminal justice um, crime scene investigation, which was the area I wanted to go into, was very competitive. And apparently I didn't want it as much as I thought I did because they said, you know, you can become a non-paid intern and you can just work and hopefully at some point, you know, you'll get offered a position. And, and in the meantime, I had my corporate job over here wanting to promote me and pay me more. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm going with the job I have because <laughs> I'm just done working for, you know, I don't want to work for free anymore. I wanted, I was ready to yeah. get out in the world, you know. I, yeah. I was one of those 20-year-olds who was ready to be 40, like, To instantly. be honest, looking at your, um, the notes that I've got on, on your sort of journey, the fact that you started your own training company at 24, that's young. You it were was, driven. Yeah. I, yeah, I was wildly naive, which was fantastic. There's the only way that I, looking back could have pulled that off, um, which is very helpful. Uh, and I met my husband who convinced me to actually, I was not entrepreneurial at all. I had no idea of ever starting my own company, but he convinced me that we should. And so together we launched um, our business. And part of it was teaching what, what I had learned on the job. Um, and it was sales and it was management philosophies and customer service and things like that. So um, yeah, and, and I absolutely loved it. And one of the things that we were teaching people in sales was this idea of go for no, because in sales, sales people here know a lot and they have to change their mindset about it to be most effective. But was the training at that, at that time, um, there probably wasn't a lot of training in terms of sales that was taking that, that was quite, quite a new idea, wasn't it? I mean, it still is, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. We're not the first people to have set, set it for sure. I mean, the idea that you should, um, you know, not fear rejection, that, you know, mm. there's that old line, don't take no for an answer. Mm. Um, we did take some of those things and repackage it a little bit. Um, our take is actually, uh, we we want people to be okay with a no. We don't, but we what we don't want people to do is avoid it. Right. So yes. it, 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 that's kind of the distinction, because yes. as we were talking about failure and since we all kind of get this programming when we're young, we then stop wanting to hear no. So we think about I know we've all done this. I've done this myself so many times where you're 
you're standing in a line somewhere, you want to ask for something from someone, and in your head, you work through the whole thing and you say, and you talk yourself out of it. And you say, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask to skip ahead. I'm not going to ask if I can just have this one item. You know, you just talk yourself out of it. And those are the things that we're trying to get people to reprogram. Yeah, and it is a reprogram. I mean, um, Bob, I, I think it was either a review of your book or just the, the, the work you do calls it an ultimate reframe for success you know um and it is this reframe 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 which are, are always fascinates me because our brains are remarkably stubborn aren't they when it comes to not wanting to be reframed um so so yeah I, i'm i'm keen now to hear to hear some let, let's dig down on some of the actual practical how you go about helping people do this because mm -hmm. I always think you know the world is full we've got a load of noise and overwhelm of messages coming at us left right and said oh do this start with why do storytelling uh, don't say you know be you I mean my message in a way is be you but I am at pains to say but I'm now going to give you some help as to how to do it because just looking at little positivity memes is not going to get us very far. It might have a momentary lovely feeling, but then we think that we're even more of a failure because we actually can't do mm. that thing that we've been told to do, like don't take no, you know, or be okay with no, or, you know, embrace failure. And although, you know what I mean by yes. positivity memes. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so we go beyond that, don't we, people like yes. you? We go beyond that. So Andrea, tell us how you've managed to get this into a sort of, uh, if you, would you call it a process or a strategy or a? Yeah, we refer to it as a, as a mindset and a strategy because it's kind of both. Um, there, the mindset piece is just the idea that um, you should uh, think about no, not, not to avoid no, to um, fail your way to success. And, and the mindset is kind of those nice memes, Trisha, you're so right. The strategy part is where you actually take action. And that is where we say go for no. So it is that moment, we call them go for no moments. So it's any time where you have the opportunity to ask and you are there fighting with your brain and you have the one piece on your shoulder going, going, you deserve this, go ahead and ask, you know, what have you got to lose? You have, you know, it's okay if you fail, it's okay if they tell you no and you've got the other side going, oh my gosh, you're gonna look like an idiot you know, what are you doing? And, 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 and what are they going to think about you? And all, and so you have these fighting things. We want the side to win. That is the encouraging sign that says you deserve this. It's not a big deal. What do you have to lose? If they say no, you're right back where you were, you know, two seconds ago. And that's the side that we want to win. So the strategy piece is really the action piece. It's where you ask. And the more you do that, the more your courage and confidence grows because um, as one of our favorite mentors says, Jack Canfield, um, you successfully survived a risk that enhances your self-confidence and you realize I didn't die. <laughs> so now I can do this again. And that builds your confidence and that builds the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Re re repeat that. Who was that? Your favorite mentor? Uh, Jack Canfield. Well, He's the chicken soup for the soul author. Oh, fabulous. Yes, 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 yes. And he wrote a book called The Success Principles. Ah, okay. And he, he also wrote a book, which was my first personal development book ever, called The Aladdin Factor, which was all about the power of asking. 
Ah, yeah, right. Oh, brilliant. The Aladdin yes. factor, I like that. Rubbing yeah. the thing and asking for what Asking, you... exactly. Oh, nice. Um, because that's the... Yeah, because that's the other part of this. Obviously, you don't you don't even get to the no or the yes um, unless you ask. That's right. <laughs> yes, it's, so, it's funny yes. how obvious these things seem, but they're kind of weird how we do get really hung up, even from mm. that first place, which is the ask. Right. Right. Oh. Yes. So you do that, and then. Um, you ask more and you, you, so the whole go for no idea is not to avoid those no's is to go for no. And, and if you start collecting no's, that's where those yeses are. So it's not about, um, you know, uh, that you can't get a no or, um, you know, I don't take no for an answer. We don't really care so much about the answer, although yes is the destination. That is what we want eventually, but we first have to focus on getting better at asking. And that does come from, I think, a place of self-confidence and self-esteem and understanding that you are worthy and that you're deserving of asking. Um, so there's all this, uh, these things are memes and they're, they're easy on the surface, but a lot of it does require some personal work on yourself in order to fully, I think, have these things integrate. Mm. Is there a sort of a first... Um... A first step then for so, right, so so let's take a sort of case study i suppose so most of the listeners to this podcast are likely to, i i think i don't actually know but i think that a lot of the people i know who listen are um very small businesses if not just themselves um as as the owner of their business often quite a personal brand as well so that kind of ad, that adds to, I think the fear oh, because yes. mm -hmm. yeah it's it's like it's a real wound to you as a as a human as you your whole identity you've just been rejected um you can't fob it off by saying oh it's you know it's the CEO or the business here right so that's a lot of the listener situation so for those who are getting all beautifully involved in all the wonders of their making their website look great and all their lovely lovely bits and bobs in here and maybe in the early stage of their business too but there's there is this horrible sort of gut flipping feeling whenever they get to that day in the week where they've put in their diary come on let's let's go and introduce myself and maybe suggest that I might be useful um, and then they think of something else to do with their website. Mm. So uh, is, there, um, is there a first little step, baby step? Yeah, first step is give yourself permission to fail. That, and we, we talked about this at the very beginning, how failure is kind of the underlying philosophy of this. And just like a kid riding a bike, where you got on that bike and you said, I don't care if I fall off in front of my friends and look like an idiot, I've got to learn this, right? That was the most important thing. And so you're willing to do whatever it took. And that's what we're talking about here is you have to give yourself permission to fail. So yes, go out with your website in whatever condition it is. Maybe it's fabulous, maybe it's just okay. And introduce yourselves and tell people what it is you do and tell your story and ask if you know they want to have coffee with you or ask if they want to have an exploratory call ask whatever it is and then if they say no or they put you off or whatever and, and your 
validation, your self-image can't be wrapped up in their answer, yes or no. So it really is about detaching yourself from that answer, but then giving yourself permission to say, hey, if it doesn't work, I'm just learning to ride the bike. And the more I do it, the better I get, the more confident I get. It's not an easy process. I know that. It's that as I speak it, I realize people are like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. I know when you go out there and put it into action, it's not easy, but it works. It is, it's completely powerful. It is absolutely the way that it works. There's no way to put these, to get these things integrated into your behavior without taking action on them and having that initial discomfort, right? In order to be great, yeah. you have to be good. In order to be good, you have to be, you're going to be bad. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh absolutely. And detaching yourself, that's, that's a, that's a, top piece of advice because uh, is there any I, I always avoid doing too much genderizing that's a that's a word I've made up um of any of this but on the other hand there are actual bits of the brain which are made slightly differently between mm -hmm. men and women and that is a is a thing okay so I'm not just being sort of vaguely stereotypy so when it comes to this detachment thing I, I've got this slightly sort of um, amateur theory that because of the sort of um, two halves of the brain and the bits that connect it, uh, you know, there is less connections going on in a male brain than in a female brain. Mm. I mean, obviously there's going to be exceptions, I guess, but that's a sort of piece of, of science, if you can mm -hmm. call it that. I'm sorry about that, listeners, it's probably not that science. But so I always sense that men have got a slightly better ability to detach so that that sort of spaghetti mess of thinking doesn't doesn't kick in so quickly so you know oh they said that oh that means this and that means that and that means that and that means that, and that means I might as well give up my whole business <laughs> that, that's the female um I've exaggerated whereas maybe learning a bit more of this okay so we'll put that in a box but it isn't going to necessarily mean that this box has to be closed and does, does this make sense? Like, it does. Well, yeah. you know, I, I, for me, um, and I guess it kind of depends on where your um, whole I, philosophy is on, on humans from the beginning of time, but I can't help but always look back to biology and I think, okay, so, you know, women traditionally, we kind of hung out in the cave and waited for the man to get back with the, um, hopefully, I don't know, saber-toothed tiger or something that he managed to hunt down, right? Um, or a chicken or something, right? And our, I think our brains are always wired to make sure that we survive. That's their number one job. And so if something goes wrong and someone doesn't show up at the hour that they said or, um, Pretty soon, even in our modern brains, we're going to have ourselves living under the freeway overpass instantly. That's your brain just making sure that you survive so that you get into action and go like, oh my gosh, this, is this isn't good. I need to take action to make sure that I survive. So, um, and I think if you look at men, perhaps their brains are wired a little differently, which is I'm not waiting around. I'm going to take action and go out and I'm kind of the more hunter. So that's just, um, yeah, it's an interesting theory. So I kind of always look backwards to think um, what's unusual though, Trisha, that you bring this up is I always thought that this concept would resonate more with women. And yet um, as much as I, I know that it does men and women both, I hear a lot more for men. And mm. I, I have over the years had far more 
emails from men, lengthy emails about their fears and their issues around rejection. I don't know if it's because they finally found somebody to open up to um, than I ever get from women. I don't know why. Right. That, yeah, okay. That's interesting. That is interesting. So, um, can I come back to the asking for a date? Because the, the era I come from, it was always the guy that had to do the asking. Sure. So that's a lot of pressure on those guys. They must have had a fear of rejection fairly constantly in that case, I would think. Right. But yeah, so, mm, but it is that sort of being able to, I suppose it's the rational and emotional, isn't it, as well? Do you, do you talk about that at all? So that, so obviously the, the feeling is going to kick in anyway. So we get, it's like that feel the fear and yeah. Absolutely. And there's no way to get rid of the sting. There's always going to be, because again, if we're talking about biology, there's always going to be that sting of rejection. That's why we have to deal with, um, we can't change those built-in human emotions, that, that sting, that pain in your, in your gut, which says, oh no, this is, you know, these are, these are designed to keep us safe. But then what we have to do immediately after having that physical reaction that translates into emotion right away is to start thinking differently, is to change our thoughts immediately and, and say, wait a minute, this does not actually mean that you are going to be poor and living on the street tomorrow, this no. This is not what this no means. Uh, so all we have to fight this physical reaction and emotional reaction is our thoughts. And I know we've all heard that. Um, the kind of the, the biggest strategy that I teach people is, and it's around not taking no personally, and as crazy as this sounds, the best way that I've found to do this, because I definitely took no personally, and I'm a super people pleaser, want people to like me, which is very much tied into all of this, is to really embrace the fact that people are going to have different opinions and if they don't like you or they don't like your work, that that's okay. It doesn't mean that you are a bad person. And the perfect example I have for this is that um, a few years ago, we published a book, Not Go For No, a different one. And one of the reviews came in on Amazon. And if you publish a book, you're as an author, you're desperate for your reviews, right? <laughs> It's like, what are people saying? Oh my God, this is why you created this art, right? You want to have people say something about it, hopefully good. And this gentleman said on Amazon, um, he said, this book was horrible. It's not, the line was, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. So <laughs> I sat back and I went and I felt the physical pain, right? Like, ow, oh, that really hurt. And then I had to, and I thought about it, rethinking. And I said, you know, I get it. Sometimes things just don't resonate. He didn't like it. That's okay. That doesn't mean anything about me. I'm going to actually let this person have their choice, like embrace it, love that they can have their opinion. It's very freeing. Um, and I learned this from a book called The Four Agreements, by the way. This is, this is the agreement of not taking anything personally. So I happen to comment, which you're also not supposed to do as an author on Amazon. You're not supposed to comment back to people. Do not do that. But I decided in this case to comment back to this person. And I said, you know what? I completely understand where you're coming from. I said, I, there was a very famous movie that won a bunch of awards called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And I hated that movie. And I actually walked out of it. It was so boring. It was so weird people were flying in the air. <laughs> so I said, I said, I understand what you're saying. I did not like that film. You did not like our book. It's okay. 
And then he, a few weeks later, reposted a review and said, I went back and reread the book and I'm giving it four stars. It actually wasn't, <laughs> wasn't as bad. Oh, <laughs> now, my point is not, my point is actually not that the book ended up being, you know, good for this person. Honestly, I don't care. But the fact is, is that when you can, um, when you can distance yourself, uh, when you can, um, when you can detach and really um, put that, put the other person, oh goodness, my TV actually flipped on. I'm going to, I'm going to have to turn it off. Um, (laughs) When you can detach, it's very powerful when you can let that other person have their, have the thing that they love. And you mentioned, you mentioned the um, hidden dragon sort of crouching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's the Game of Thrones. You know, everybody in the world, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. You have to, and I, you know, I just couldn't, it just wasn't happening for me. So that is a perfect way of thinking of this, actually. That's, that's a really good way because everybody will resonate with that. There will always have been a book, a film, a something on TV, a, a, a celebrity, that everyone's crazy about you know um got a crush on you must be joking oh my god you know so yeah brilliant way of looking at it and i love what you did and 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 yeah and you just it was disarming really wasn't it for the person at the other end not in a manipulative not in a you weren't doing anything to be funny or sarcastic or anything you just did this really human thing and um yeah i love that i mean i've had people i have had people walk out halfway through a, a theater performance and it, and it, if it's a one person play which a lot mm. of my work in more recent times has been you could really take that personally um but you know you, you it's not everybody's cup of tea every single play that's out there and how do you know that they didn't have a sudden urgent call from somebody anyway so but but isn't it true that as humans, we, again, it's part of our survival mechanism to look for the negatives, always look for the negatives. You know, that's what our brains are doing to us. So amongst that, amongst you probably had freaking hundreds of amazing reviews for that book. And of course, it's so easy to let that, that one seem to take on so much more meaning than the rest. Absolutely, it is. And so I think when you think about the things that you love and the things that you don't love. And then you embrace the fact that other people do as well and that it's all about them and it's how they were raised and it's, it's how it's what their beliefs are and that you learn to love and appreciate that. Because if you, if you can love the things that people don't care for and disagree with, then you can also love when people love your work. Um, you can't accept one and not the other. So if you accept both, then it all, you know, it, it, it's, you can accept all of it. You can't, oh, you can that. choose, right? Oh, no, I absolutely love that because that comes into the, you know, that's where we could start going off into fear of success and all of that sort of area because you're right, you have to be open to the whole kit and caboodle and it's like you, you know you can't when you when you're in a good relationship you've got to be open to the stuff that doesn't go so well and the challenges you have to work through and the the, the occasional really stupid disagreements and, and you have to be open to all of this and um I, I just think 
I remember, for instance, struggling with taking on positive feedback at the end of doing speaking engagements and mm. the ones where you go and mix with people afterwards, the smaller events maybe, and everyone's, you know, oh, wow, fantastic, blah, 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 blah. And there's a weird bit in your brain which is wanting to run away. Have you ever had that? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's weird. Yeah. That's That doesn't make sense if you look at it. You think, Cranky, you're being said lovely things about you. What, what, what is it you want to run away from? Right. What is it indeed? Is it yes. some kind of odd, like you say, in the same way that you're cocooned yourself maybe against rejection, you're weirdly protecting yourself against the good stuff as well. And it's only when you, you open up to all of it that it makes sense. Right. And really, um, almost attaching yourself from all of it, right? Um, it, I think there might be a fear that if you believe that all of this good feedback is back, bad, or uh, you believe in all of the good feedback, then if you get bad feedback, you have to believe in that as, as well. And, and that is true that, you know, but it does, it's not about you, right? It's just, it's not, a, it's not actually about you. Mm. Even when it's about you, it's not about you. It's about the other person. Of course, there's this other person involved, yeah, which we so weirdly forget. Um, we forget. I mean, it's, quite, it's quite arrogant of us, actually, isn't it? <laughs> it <laughs> is. isn't all about us. Whoa. It is. It's, it's, it, the whole thing is very freeing. And again, it just takes work. It just takes that constant reminder to think through these things. I love this. Honestly, I, as with all my fascinating guests, and this is a subject that I could really go on for ages about, but we won't, don't panic. What you'll have to do is come back again though, Andrea, because I think we could dig and dig and dig into a lot of just one little nugget of everything you've said would be a whole episode. So uh, so before we wrap up, um, so we're, we're giving the listeners maybe um, a little challenge and it would practically would that be, could you put that into words? Absolutely. So I think the challenge would be, you know, first create an, create awareness around how many no's you hear and then challenge yourself this week to hear one no, that just to go for no and to, to get one no and to survive it. And, and you would be, you might, some of you might be surprised that actually you, when you do that ask that it's not a no, it's a yes. And you, you will say, wow, it's hard to get a no now. Um, some people will get a no and they'll say, I did it though. I, I was in action. So that's my challenge is see if you can yeah. get a no and, and see that you survive it. I love the fact that you could end up being really annoying because you can't get a no. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> talk, talk about a brilliant reframe. That'd be fantastic. Oh, blinking out. I'm desperately trying to get a no. And I keep getting yeses now. Um, but what a result if that's the case. So, right. yeah, no, no, nothing lost at all. So in terms of people, obviously, I've mentioned, I mentioned the book. I haven't mentioned just how incredibly popular it is. I mean, you really, it, it went pretty quickly to the uh, number one bestseller on Amazon and has kind of stayed in the top section for 10 years, is it? It's 10 years, yeah. yes. So if we, if you haven't got that book, um, I suggest that's one of the actions that you do, listeners. Um, go for, no, I will put all the links obviously on the show notes, but, um, but in terms of uh, maybe, you know, getting to know you more and your strategy and your methodology, which I still can't say easily, um, <laughs> and more about you, 
where do you where do you think is the best place for people to connect with you? Uh, you know what? I just go to gofornow.com and um, but if you type in go for no, we pretty much own that phrase. So you'll definitely end up finding me on Facebook or Twitter or you know all the social media for sure. Yeah, what a great phrase to, uh, to own. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm so glad that uh, Bob introduced us because this is a fascinating episode. Really nice to meet you. And uh, we will keep exploring and keep connected, Andrew. Is there, is there anything else that I've missed that you want to tell us? Thank you, Trisha. No, it was so fun to chat with you about all of this and yeah. just get a chance to see where it led um, because, yeah, we could probably talk for hours. But no, I really so. appreciate it. Yeah, you'll come back, that's for sure. And what yeah. time is it there in Orlando? Uh, in the morning, 9, 9 a.m. is when we started. You've got a whole day ahead of you. Yep. And, uh, and I'm just beginning to get sort of, you know, that kind of mid-afternoon need for another cup of tea. But yeah, right. <laughs> fabulous. Thank you so, so much. And uh, speak to you again soon. Thank you. Yes! Take action. Try this one small step. Well, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> How about you force yourself to make one phone call or one direct message or one email, which you've been putting off because you're thinking, oh, I don't know, they might not think this is a good idea. They'll probably think I'm pestering them or whatever. Do it nicely in all the ways that you do. But accept the fact that it might be a no, it might not be the right moment for this person to have that Zoom call or to take you up on your offer or whatever it is. But that's fine. But just blinking well, give it a go and ask and put all your lovely mind in the right place with all the lovely stuff you've heard in this episode before you do it. And um, yeah, embrace the no, as they say. You never know, it might be a yes. A lot of fascinating stuff. You might need some show notes. So head over to trishalewis.com forward slash make it real podcast and subscribe because then you'll know when the next episode is available. I give you permission to go out and be real and enjoy it. Look forward to the next episode. Let the be with me.